0: Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm going to put this on. Um, this message must absolutely be given, delivered in the body of Christ. What do I mean? It means I can't give this message by myself. This message is sometimes known as the graveyard shift Message. Because it's the third message. You've already had two. And now you've had a very good lunch. So I'm doing my best to share and pour out. And I just want to take a siesta. Right? So we need, we need as the body to, what would I say? Uh, uh, apprehend take this message. So there's a brother speaking, but we have to be listening. We have to be as active as we can. If you would, if you need to, you can stand up. Okay. I was, I was in a meeting one, one, uh, one time with the brothers, this brother, it was in California and the brother had traveled from Israel. And, you know, in the middle of the brother's meeting, he had stood up and he'd gone to stand by the door. And I thought, oh, He must have a back problem. He's, you know, his back is, so he has to stand. I see tall brothers who sometimes have to stand. So after the meeting, I said, brother, brother Jim, how are you doing? How's your back? And he looks at me, my back is fine, brother. I was just so tired. If I didn't stand up, I would have fallen asleep. (laughs) So if you stand up in the middle of the meeting, no problem. I'm going to have you all stand up at some point anyway. Just to help the circulation move from your stomach to another part of your body, like your brain. Okay? So we're doing this together. Is that, is that good? Amen. Okay, amen. Um, okay, this is the third message uh, of this. I mean, this is a bullet train ride through this, this, me- this conference. And I would again, just as Brother Marcus shared, and we need to pray. Like, don't have these outlines, this packet... You go through it, and then when we go home, it gets filed, it gets shelved, or it gets binned. Whether we have the morning revival or we just have the outlines, we'd just like to encourage you, really, for the Lord's sake, for the body's sake, we need to pray this, these truths, this revelation into our spirit until it, it becomes a vision and principles we live by in the church life. So I fellowship with Brother Mark um, at the end of his message, and we felt it would be very good at the beginning. How about we read through the principles together? Okay? We are covering some of the principles. In the last message, we covered two of the principles um, related to the oneness of the body, which if you number these, these matters, then it's number one, and the function of the body, which is number four. And then in this message now, number three, we'll cover, if you number them, principle number eight and principle number 19. Please don't label them that. Right? Brother, are, you're not keeping principle number 19 right now, brother. <laughs> okay? Don't do that. We, we, want, we want the principle of the principles, not just the letter of the principles. You understand? Okay, we want the spirit of the principles, not just... These are now the new laws in the church life in Pretoria or the church life in Cape Town. These are the new laws printed on the front of the door or something. They are, they are organic principles. Okay, so let's do this. We'll just alternate through. How about brothers on one, sisters on two? And I think, how about this? When it's your turn, you can stand and read it, then sit down. So that'll also help, okay? So brothers, standing on the first principle. Amen. Good to stand on that one. Is one. Excellent beginning. Amen. The church the body of Christ is absolutely a of life. Amen. So, okay, amen. Since the body of Christ is Christ, if we would be in the body, we must be made Christ. Okay, that's fine. Sisters, Pauls, That's good. Brothers can sit down. I, I, yeah, you can... Stand or sit, we're not reading it yet. Number two, the church as the body of Christ is absolutely a matter of law. Life. Life. So if we bring law as a principle into our church life, we are damaging the body of Christ because An organic principle of the body is it's absolutely a matter of life. So a new one comes in, they don't dress like us. So what do we do? Do we at a certain point going, you know, you have been here six months now and you still have not got rid of your Hawaiian shirt. (laughs) You've had enough time to be with us. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm, you know, you are robbing that person. You are robbing that person of the experience of the Lord shining on him about whatever that is, whatever that matter is. We should be very, in fact, we should not go to anybody with law what will change someone, what will affect a lasting change that builds up the body of Christ is that you minister life to that person. There is a wonderful little book. I think it's something like The Enjoyment of Christ in the book of 1 Corinthians. It's an actual red-covered book, The Enjoyment of Christ. And one of the sections, um, Brother Lee says that he said the The fellowship or the flow in the body of Christ is not dealings, it's life. The flow in the body of Christ is not dealings. Oh, that brother needs to be dealt with. We need to deal with that sister. That is not the flow in the organic living body of Christ. Law is not the flow. Life is the flow. And so then Brother Lee says, it literally says, you see a problem with a brother. He said, the first thing you should do is pray for that person. And you pray for them. And you pray. And he says, you keep praying. And then at some point, he says, you go to them and you don't even mention their problem to them. You just Enjoy Christ with them. You just minister life to them. And then at some point you're enjoying life and then suddenly the brother realizes something and he might mention his problem to you then. Brother Lee says, even then, don't say too much. Just keep ministering life because the principle in the body of Christ is life. My body is healthy because there's a flow of life in my body. If I cut off the life supply, I can do all kinds of things, but nothing will benefit me more than life itself. Okay, so the principle, let's, we'll, we can all read You don't have to stand up for it. Just let's read it one more time. The church as the body of Christ is absolutely a matter of life. That is a, that's a beautiful principle. Beautiful. Okay, did, did um, the Dear Brothers, they read three because they're very fast off the mark which is very good. Now the sisters on 4. Okay, brothers standing on 5? <laughs> process, consummated, triune God. Very good. Thank you. Six sisters. The of Christ is the of Christ. Amen. Amen. Brothers. The of Christ is a new creation. Amen. Okay, sisters. Yes. Okay, so this point before you go, brothers, this point, you know, the work of the cross, we, you know, I don't know that we any of us really particularly enjoy or appreciate this point. This is going to be the the fellowship of the first house of the outline experiencing the work of the cross. But we have to understand this is a necessary principle if we have seen the vision of the reality of the body of Christ, we realize that's my goal, that's what I need, then the Lord in his faithfulness to us and to himself will bring us through many crossing out experiences. But if we have a controlling vision, we will be supplied, we will be carried through, the vision will give us the boldness to go on. This is the, one of the benefits of vision. We are revolutionized, we are protected, we are kept, we are supplied by the vision. Even when we are passing through very difficult experiences, the vision keeps us. So even our dear brother Paul toward the end of his course, could tell King Agrippa, actually 25 years from Acts 9, where he met the Lord on the road to Damascus, to Acts 26, you go, you look at that and you say, that's 15 chapters, or no, not 15, that's 17 chapters, that's 25 years. But our dear brother could still boldly testify, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient To the heavenly vision. Paul was preserved by the vision. May the Lord give us a preserving vision. And I would add to the preserving vision, Brother uh, Mark's fellowship. Never leave the church. I teach the training in London. Every class block that I teach, somewhere in that class, a word to the trainees, never leave the church. No matter what happens, no matter how offended you are, no matter how stumbled you are, no matter how hurt you are by another member, you have to realize the church is the best place for us to make it to this reality. So just, it's, I, I like that. I, 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 I like dictionaries. I don't like tearing pages out of any of my books, but I think I'll tear that page out. <laughs> D-I-V-O-R-C-E, out. And the other one with division. Very soon I'll not have too many pages in my dictionary. Well, that's good fellowship. Write that down. Stick that on your refrigerator. Never leave the church. Maybe your children would grow up. With that, that's, you know, we have all kinds of things on our refrigerator. You know, the Lord is a spirit. Oh, he who's joined the Lord is one spirit. There are good things to put on our refrigerator or oven or metallic surface. But how about never leave the church? And when you have a two-year-old that's at this height on the refrigerator, and as they grow, you just kind of keep moving that, <laughs> that magnet a little bit higher. So every time they go for milk in the refrigerator, never leave the church come 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 never leave the church never leave the church what is, i don't know if that's market placement or something like that psychology just keep putting it as they grow bigger and if there's two of them in the house and you've one down here and one here never leave the church never leave the church amen never leave just never leave that is satan's greatest victory when when someone leaves And it's the greatest mercy when someone comes back, but and where we rejoice when that happens. But it it would be better if they never had left. Okay, we'll go on. Who is next? Uh, It's number nine with the brothers, I believe. Is that correct? Okay, go. If we would understand and enter into the life of the body, we must know the authority of the head. Amen. Okay, okay. Okay, stop, pause, that's good. Sisters, that's for all of us, but, but it's good the sisters read that. Spirituality is a body matter. If your, if your spirituality causes people to run away from you, I would ask myself, Lord, is there something wrong with my understanding of spirituality? Spirituality. The most spiritual person that ever walked on this earth was the Lord Jesus Christ. And people flocked to him. In Luke one, in 15, verse 1, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to hear him. I love sharing that verse with people. What was it about the Lord's spirituality... That people were attracted to him. People flocked to him. They didn't run from him. They didn't hide from him. They weren't afraid of him. Is your kind of spirituality a kind that instills fear into the saints? That makes the saints uncomfortable? Spirituality is a body matter. The genuine spirituality builds people up, encourages people. People come to you with their problems and they don't go away feeling judged and misunderstood. They go away feeling supplied and encouraged. There's hope for us. We have we have a hope. We can go on. We can make it in the church life. Thank the Lord for that fellowship. So, we can't arrive at that overnight. We can't say, I want to be that kind of person. But we should aspire. Lord, I want to have a spirituality, so-called, that builds up your body. Grant me the experiences I need to have that kind of ministry. And then I would, I'm would. i just saying, possibly, you may have a big failure after you pray a prayer like that. Sometimes the Lord, in order to have ministry, we have to, no, not sometimes. In order to have ministry, ministry is is a product of revelation plus sufferings and the consuming work of the cross. That's ministry. Not in the Christianity world's view of ministry. The genuine ministry, you check Paul. The genuine ministry is revelation plus suffering and the killing work of the cross. I was going to touch this later. I'll touch it now. We just look quickly at Acts chapter 9 in your Bibles. And I just want to... This is Paul's road to Damascus testimony, experience, recounting. And he says in 4 and 5, it says in 4 and 5, and he fell on the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul... Why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. Paul didn't even know he was persecuting the Lord, but he received a revelation there of the body of Christ. He is blinded. He goes into Damascus, led by some others. Then he is praying. And then uh, Ananias is sent to him. A little member of the body is sent to him. But Ananias is afraid to go near this fearsome man who's been persecuting the Christians. And the Lord says to Ananias, uh, and he. Uh, but the Lord said to him, meaning Ananias, go, for this man is a chosen vessel to me to bear my name before both the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer on behalf of my name. So Paul receives the revelation and then automatically, almost immediately, he must suffer on behalf of my name. So this is how we have a ministry. In order to shepherd broken souls, sometimes the Lord has to break our soul so that we can relate to them. Colossians one twenty four, Paul says, and this is this brother who's passed through this. He, he can say, and I don't know who else can say this, I now rejoice in my sufferings. That man had a vision. I rejoice in my sufferings on your behalf. And fill up on my part that which is lacking of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body, which is the church. Amen. So this is the way to have a ministry. He really what that was constituted into him so he could actually rejoice in his sufferings because he realized this can be, will be a benefit to the body of Christ. Okay. Uh, so spirituality is a body matter, brothers on eleven. We need to care for the feeling of the and the peace of the body. Amen. Care for the feeling of the body and care for the peace in the body. Okay, sisters, 12. We need to have the consciousness of the body the body consciousness. Amen. So the more we grow in life, in the life of the body, the more we will become body consciousness, uh, conscious. It may not be the only way, but I would just say this is a way that will help us. You might say, how? I'm not conscious of the body. How do I become conscious of the body? Grow in life. Little children are not that conscious of too many things. Hardly conscious of themselves. Certainly not conscious of the space around them and the dangers around them. They just wander around, bumping into things and falling over. Not much consciousness. But as they grow The the conscious level goes up. So all of us should have the expectation as we are entering into the life of the body, partaking of the life of the Lord, our level of consciousness will go up. Who is the most conscious person of the body? The Lord Jesus Christ. So as you contact him, he will infuse and impart his consciousness, his feeling, his burden, his heart, his love, his struggling into you so that your heart will become a duplication of his heart. Okay? Go on from there. So 13, is that correct? Young brothers, thank you. Good. The supply of the body is the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. By the the holy okay, thank you, brothers and sisters. Okay, no independence, no individualism. When we recognize that in ourselves, Lord, I just confess, I am just so independent. Lord, grant me the experiences I need to be dependent firstly on you and then on the, my fellow members of the body. Fifteen brothers. If, if we live in the body, we will experience the protection of the body. Amen. What a wonderful blessing. It's a blessing to be limited, restricted, and protected by the fellowship in the body of Christ. How many times have we been saved because we went for fellowship, or we went for counsel, and then a, a living body member of the body of Christ gave us some, something that really helped us, maybe limited us and restricted us, but also protected us. Okay, next point. Is it 16? Sisters? Amen. Not going beyond our measure. Okay. Uh, 17. The body has its proper order. 16 and 17 go very well together. The measure and the order go together. 18. Mutuality is the characteristic of the body and the functioning of the body is mutual. Thus, our relationship in the body is one of mutuality and interdependence. So a good principle is when we're serving together, we're laboring together, in 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 an organic sense, there's still an order, there's still an arrangement. There may be someone who is, you know, delegated or is identified as maybe the person taking the lead in that matter, but that person should not be the only one doing that thing. In principle, others should be brought into function. Others should be being raised up, and there's a beautiful, harmonious, organic mutuality and interdependence. None of us is the all-inclusive Christ. Yes, there's an order. Yes, you may be the one who is sovereignly arranged by the Lord to take the lead in this matter. But we should always be seeking to bring others into function and uh, be dependent on them as well as on ourselves and the Lord. Okay, 19. The divine fellowship is the reality of living in the body of Christ. Amen. And 20. We should always consider the body, care for the body, honor the body, and do what is best for the body. Amen. So these are principles. So we already mentioned what are principles. God-ordained laws that are intrinsic, that govern our inward being. I would also just say here, these are principles are, if I can use this phrase, organically interdependent. Organically interdependent. They're not, they're not in isolation of one another. These many of these principles overlap with one another. So Brother Mark said that the top principle is the oneness of the body. I fully agree. Another top principle in the body of Christ is number eight, the work of the cross. Why can you not be one? Because you are you and I am I and I will not die and you will not die. Neither of us are willing to embrace the cross. Neither of us care for the cross. We care for our opinion. We care for our way. We care for our experience and our expertise. We won't die. No way to be one. But if you realize a principle in the, in the body is. There's no more you and there's no more me. But Christ is all and in all. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. If every saint in the church owned that truth, I am crucified with Christ. There will be no more problems because you're dead and I'm dead. So I'm not bothered by you. You're not bothered by me. So, so these principles go together. And then I had one little question. I had a wondering at the end of the last message about the blending. The blending. Is that a practice or is that a principle? And I'll answer my own question. I would say yes. Blending is a practice. But I, I because I don't think this is an exhaustive list. It does say in the word, God has blended. The body together doesn't say God is blending. God would like you to blend. God has blended the body together. Right. So that means when God created the body of Christ, he created it. There was blending included, blended the body. So what we're doing today is just entering into something that already exists in the body. That's a principle. So. Blending's a principle. Blending isn't, oh, we should do this to keep the oneness, although that is exactly what the point says. Blending is the most useful thing for keeping the oneness. Well, why? Because blending's a principle. And these principles are interdependent in one another. So is blending a practice? Yes. Is blending a principle? Yes. So if you're entering into the principles, blending's spontaneous. We don't have to go, hmm, you know, we haven't gone out of our locality for at least a year. Maybe we should blend with Johannesburg next weekend. And then, as usual, something comes up. Oh, no, no, that's, the kids have got a soccer game. We've got to do this. we got to do that. We'll blend the following week. And guess what happens the following week and the following week. So blending's a principle that we, like, we need to blend. We, it's in us. We just need to blend. Again, you can just see the blessings from having that as a principle as well as a practice. Okay, so let's come to the outline together. Experiencing the work of the cross for the body and living in the unique fellowship of the body. Two principles. Let's read one together. So, dear saints, I think we need to prayerfully amen this word. Again, I don't think any of us really enjoy the thought that we need to experience the work of the cross. But we are being helped this weekend to say, see, this is necessary. Going to the doctor for a checkup and having some procedures done is not always pleasant. But it's good for our body so a dear brother and I were going to spend, we ended up spending last Monday together. But at a certain point was, actually, I need to go into the hospital for some procedure. And I was like, absolutely, make sure you take care of that. Not a pleasant procedure, but that will make sure that you're still on the earth 10 years from now or 15 years from now. We need to have the same kind of attitude. This is part of our spiritual, medical health check, the work of the cross, Okay, A, let's read. The, Lord, the cross leads us to the body. The knowledge of the cross brings us in knowledge. That, amen. So I'm just going to use A an example here. Um, the cross leads to the body. The knowledge of the cross brings us the knowledge of the body. And I wrote down here, I just have sickness or major life crisis. We pass through something in our life. And, you know, when certain things happen, I think our tendency is to withdraw, hunker down, pull back. But if we have a vision of the body, then as we are passing through whatever crisis or sickness we are in, we can pray, Lord, I now know what this is like. I never imagined this would happen to me, to my family. But Lord, I give it not only me and my family to you. I give every other member of the body that is passing through this suffering to you. I am not the only one passing through this crisis. There are many saints also possibly hidden, also passing through this crisis. So I would like to pray for every saint, every person passing through this, whatever it is, Lord, that they would gain you, that you would be with them this. So you can see when something happens, a cross matter, a killing matter, we can bring that matter to the level of the body of Christ through our prayer and through our, our sympathetic entering into it. If we've never experienced some of these things, it may be very hard for us to... to Um, enter into someone else's suffering. We may even judge them. Oh, shame. Oh, terrible. How could that happen? Well, you don't know how that could happen. And if it's only God's mercy that it hasn't happened to you. So again, this body consciousness, when we pass through sufferings, it makes us much more conscious and sensitive to the sufferings of others. So then, like Paul, we weep with those who weep, and we rejoice with those who rejoice. That's a body principle. Weeping with those who weep. But in our honest experience, it's hard to weep unless we ourselves have known weakness and loss and suffering. If we're so whole, so complete, so perfect nothing ever happens to us, then why isn't everybody else like us? What's wrong with those saints? Don't they know how to exercise their spirit? Not much sympathy. So the work of the cross, amen, the knowledge of the cross and the work of the cross brings us to the knowledge of the body of Christ. Amen. Okay, then B, the cross leads to the body, and the cross operates in the sphere of the body. How about brothers one, sisters two? The work of the cross goes as far as the body of Christ and consummates with the body of Christ. Amen. Not does the work of the cross the body, but also the body Okay, so it, it is, it, it, that's just the way it is. And it's good to know that, that the cross operates in the realm of the body. And I appreciated Brother Mark's testimony. You know, I I, I really liked it. You know, I signed up so I wouldn't get, you know, I wouldn't go into perdition. I didn't sign up for all the extra dealings that come along with coming into the church life and having to coordinate with that brother or that sister. Or, you know, I didn't sign up for these things. But this is God's mercy to us so that you don't remain the same. You don't remain unchanged. You think your experience is, is the standard, your experience, that, you don't, until you're with other people, you just think, I'm all right. And everybody else is wrong, but you start getting blended with people, you start experiencing the body, you will realize, no, I'm not all right, and they're not all right. We all need the Lord and we need to take the cross in so many circumstances. So again, it's a great blessing to see this vision. The cross is operating. The saints around us are a blessing to us. They're a crossing out of us. But what are they crossing out? It's mainly the natural things. The unblendable things. The rough edges. That's what's getting broken down and blended out. So eventually... We are reduced to Christ. That's what will make us one. The Christ in you and the Christ in me is the reality of the body of Christ. And everything else has to go. So the Lord wisely puts us with people very unlike ourselves so that we get blended out or another edge gets taken off. This is the way the Lord works in the body of Christ. Sovereignly. Amen. Okay. see Together. In the body of Christ, we cannot go on without the cross. Okay, how about we just, um, we can all stand up and we'll just read all the points under six. Okay, together. Amen. The cross will dig away our natural life, our own activities, and any disproportionate growth. Life and work in the body necessitate drastic dealings with the flesh, and such de- necessitate a deep knowledge of the cross of Christ. The restriction of the body will take away our freedom and drive us to the cross. All of God's dealings with us have been with a view to prepare us for the body. All His work in us is the process of elimination. Of the body. If natural body life is dealt with by the cross and if, if we, we submit God. to the headship of Christ and live the body, the body life, we will have the Spirit's anointing and enjoy the of the body. Very good, thank you. So I just appreciate 5 says, all of God's dealings with us have been with a view to prepare us For the body. Amen. Uh, All his work in us is a process of elimination so that we can become functioning members of the body of Christ. Um, What is our function? Our function is that what remains after the cross has terminated everything else. What is your real function in the body? That which is left after the cross has terminated everything else. That is where our function comes from. It's a process. So we should, in a sense, grow into our function, not just by the experience of carrying it out, but by an organic process of growth and life through the killing work of the cross. And then six says, if our natural life is dealt with by the cross... And if we submit to the headship of Christ and live the body life, we will have the Spirit's anointing and enjoy the fellowship of the body. And what I'm just thinking of here is Joseph in Genesis chapter 40. Joseph was imprisoned for a considerable period of time. Brother Lee refers to it in the life study as the prison of death. That's where Joseph was. And at one point, speaking to the cupbearer and the, uh, the baker, he says in verse 15, For I was actually kidnapped out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have not done anything that they should put me in the dungeon. I don't deserve this treatment. I shouldn't be in the dungeon. I shouldn't be in death. I shouldn't be limited. I shouldn't be restricted. That was his testimony. And so, the Lord, in his sovereignty, left him in that place for another two years. And then, under God's sovereignty, he was released. He shared a vision with Pharaoh, who said, Then, you shall be over my household, and according to your word, all my people shall be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than you. And then, he then also, later on, he meets his brothers. And of course, eventually when he unveils himself to his brothers, they're kind of very repenting and very, um, you know, obviously afraid. But what does Joseph say then? In verse 5 of verse 45, he says, Do not be grieved or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me here before you to preserve life. And then verse six, verse 7 says, And God sent me before you. And verse 8 says, So it was not you who sent me here, but God. Do you see the difference? He's still in prison. He's still being worked on. And he's still complaining. I shouldn't be here. I didn't deserve this. My brothers captured me. They did this. They did that. But then the work of the cross, the death dungeon, continues to work. And then eventually Joseph goes... God is sovereign, and God knew what he was doing, and God sent me here ahead of you to preserve life. So I think this is a good illustration of the work of the cross. You're in it, you're in a prison, you're in a dungeon, you feel misunderstood, you feel this is not right, this shouldn't have been done to me, I don't deserve this, but God is sovereign, God is working. Working on you, working in you to deal with all your natural thoughts, natural everything, the natural way of doing things. But eventually, if you learn the lesson, the Lord will release you from the death prison of the cross and he will use you to save life and preserve life and minister and supply abundantly all pe- kinds of people in the midst of the famine, as an example. So the work of the cross is absolutely necessary for us to be in the reality of the body of Christ. Okay, could we read D together? This is a very important point also. The revelation of the body is very costly, for it touches the spring of our natural life. So this is just, again, I believe this is one of the points that we need to just amen. Amen. We need to say, Lord, by your grace, by your mercy, I'm willing to pay the price. Lord, I can't pay the price apart from you. But I lay my hands on you as the absolute one. The only one who is absolutely consecrated to God and for God. The one who is willing to pay the price of death on the cross to Honor, serve the Father and carry out His will. That one is in us. And every day we lay our hands on the burnt offering. Yes, the price is costly, but we put our hands on the one who paid the ultimate price. We are identified with Him, and He will supply us to pay the price for the body of Christ. Okay, how about uh, brothers, one, standing sisters, two, then everybody, three under the vision of the body, and we will realize that the Lord way Jesus. for us to know the body and to be built up in the body is to be broken. Amen. Sisters. work us will be able to and the of the body. Amen. This revelation will cause us to see that it is only Christ in us, not anything of ourselves, who constitutes us members of the body. Amen. So I just commend these points to you. I think we do. This shows us our, our real need to take these points, pray over these points, open to the Lord concerning these points. But this is really the truth. Only after the cross has wrought a deep work within us will we be able to, and I, would, I added here, will we be willing to be limited by, the, and by and coordinate with the other members of the body. So not only not, Lord, so work in me both the willing and the working for your good pleasure. Lord, right now, I am not willing But I am willing to be made willing. We can pray that. That's a very good pray. Honest situation right now, Lord, I'm not willing. But I'm willing to be made willing. And then the Lord may then work on us to the point where we, you know what? Whether my way is the way that's taken or not taken, it doesn't really matter. What matters is the body of Christ is built up. Amen. Amen. Okay, so let us continue with uh, Romans 2. Since the body of Christ is uniquely one universally, the fellowship of the body of Christ is also uniquely one universally. Okay, we can turn over the page, keeping an eye on the time. So again, I mentioned this, this interdependency of these principles. Fellowship. I don't need to fellowship with anybody. I already know more than the brothers taking the lead. But fellowship is the lifeblood of the body of Christ. So whether you regard the brothers, you don't regard the brothers, you know how to do everything, so capable, so independent. When we act like that, we violate the principle of the body of Christ. And we will suffer the loss. We will suffer the loss. The greatest blessing that we can avail ourselves of is the fellowship of the body of Christ. Fellowship vertically, fellowship horizontally. Um, Let's read A together. Just as there is the circulation of blood in the human body, so there is a circulation in the body of Christ a circulation which the New Testament calls fellowship. Amen. So again, this is a principle. It is not just an outward behavior. We don't fellowship because we should fellowship, although that's a good beginning. Eventually, we want to fellowship because this' part of our makeup. And, you know, the, the illustration of the circulation of the blood, I wrote down some, some, characteristics of blood, okay, actual physical blood that's in your veins right now, some characteristics, but then apply that to the reality that is fellowship in the body. The first one I have here is blood unifies the whole body. Right? There is not one tiny piece of your body that does not have blood flowing through it right now. Unless there's something wrong with you. And I'm saying that kind of joking, but actually, you know, there's a problem if there's not a flow. So it unifies the whole body. That's what blood does. So what do you think fellowship does? Unifies the whole body. Blood supplies and nourishes the body. Fellowship brings supply and nourishment. Blood brings life to every part and every member of the body. The blood brings life to every part and every member of your body. Fellowship brings life. How many times have I been home in my house? And it's a Friday evening. This is when it usually happens. And there's a disagreement in the house. And now there are two parties no longer fellowshipping with one another. Stony silence, death. But praise the Lord, it's Friday night, and guess who's coming to the door? Praise the Lord, saints! How are you? Very well, thank you. Welcome to our home. This is real. I, 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 this is real. And so the saints come in, they bring their salad... They bring their lasagna. They bring something. And, you know, we meet and we eat and we greet. And then we have a, a meeting, and enjoyment. And at some point in that meeting, the, the argument, the complaint is dissolved. By the flow, by the life that just came into my home. And, you know, praise the Lord. By the end of the evening... Fellowship is restored in the house. Or I can say countless times, countless, not, I shouldn't say countless times, I better not say that. Sometimes, maybe I leave in the morning and there's been a disagreement, maybe overnight, although the sun should not go down on our anger. We violate that principle as well. But we go to work and I happen, you know, I'm thankful I work with saints. I work with saints. And then it's mid-morning, and I have been just bathing in the fellowship and the flow. No problem with my fellowship with those members of the body, just the other member. (laughs) But again, eventually, there's this, I am sorry, right? But, you know, actually, before that, in fairness, honestly, it's like, you know, there's a sense within, just say you're sorry. I'm not saying I'm sorry. It's not my fault. Say you're sorry. I don't want to say sorry. She should say sorry first. I wait for her text. But the the, the flow is flowing. The flow is flowing. There's a flow. Flow of life. And eventually, okay, amen. I love you. I am sorry. Or I'm sorry I love you. (laughs) There's an immediate flow. There's an immediate flow. And when the text comes back the other way, there's even more flow. So I have a point. My point is that fellowship brings life to every part and every member. Blood takes away the waste in the body, right? Blood purges the body of waste. There's a lot of things, a lot of toxins that build up, especially when there's not enough oxygen. Not enough air, not enough breathing. You know what happens when you stop breathing? A lot of toxins accumulate very, very quickly in your body. So one, you need to breathe. And two, you need a flow. You need a circulation. And that circulation, when it comes, will take away a lot of the toxins. So this is fellowship also. Then I have here, blood is necessary for the growth and health of the body. And the verse that I have here is 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from every sin. There's a life cycle going on there. There's the cleansing of the blood, but there's also the fellowship of life. And that fellowship of life brings in the light of life. The light of life um, exposes our real condition. We apply the blood. The blood cleanses us, which brings more supply. So there is this life cycle involving fellowship that causes growth and advance in the body. We need it. Then the second to last point, the blood is full of antibodies. Brother Mark shared this actually in Phoenix a year ago. And he was like, I'm not a doctor, but I have some principles I want to share. And I went, he should be a doctor. He knows more than I do about the blood. And he mentioned antibodies. Antibodies kill germs. Your blood is full of germ-killing cells right this second. Any, any foreign material in your body, infectious material, disease-causing material is being eaten up by the white cells. That's in the flow. That's in the blood flow. That's in the fellowship. A lot of germs get killed. Because we fellowship, we have this germ in our brain and we're thinking this and it's festering and it's growing and now we talk about it, now it's spreading and it's spreading to somebody else. It's very contagious. Praise the Lord for the flow that brings antibodies that kill those germs. And then the last one, very obvious, without the blood, without it, you're dead. No blood, you're dead. So I appreciate it again, Brother Mark's illustration. You cut his body in half, it's dead. There's no body. Division causes death. No fellowship causes death. No flow, no circulation causes death. So we need desperately the fellowship of the body of Christ. We should seek it. We should receive it. We should open to it. We should allow it to work in us and on us. And that fellowship may sometimes come from, you know, maybe someone we don't have that much respect or regard for. But if it's we have to have the discernment, this is not this person or that person, this is the Lord. Amen. Amen. And then I would say maybe just as it occurs to me, you know, sometimes, sometimes so-called fellowship brings death. And not the healthy cl- killing of the of the. Of the of the cross, because that kind of fellowship, although it kills, it also resurrects, right? There's, there's a fellowship that brings the death of the cross that brings you into resurrection. That thing is touched, that thing is dealt with, and you are released, and you are supplied, and you are encouraged, and you are strengthened. That's the kind of de- you know, cross-bringing fellowship that we desire. But there is sometimes so-called fellowship That just kills, literally kills. So we don't want to be someone who does that. And we also should have a discernment. You hear some fellowship, but you realize that's just killing me. That is killing my spirit. We should not receive or should not open ourselves or admit that kind of fellowship into our healthy church life. Okay, let's read the points underneath. Um, We've read A about brothers B. Fellowship of the body of Christ it is the stream of the divine life. As the stream of the divine life flows within us, there is the fellowship of the body of Christ. Amen. Sisters, see. Praise the Lord. The divine fellowship is the reality of living in the body of Christ. And a little thing that I like to repeat periodically is just simply this. Fellowship, fellowship, fellowship. Just that. You don't know what to do in about a certain situation. Fellowship, fellowship, fellowship. I don't mean you go around every single person you can find and fellowship until you get the answer you want. I I mean just it's healthy to fellowship you're struggling with something, then come for fellowship. Seek fellowship. Fellowship. I would say any problem and every problem can be solved by fellowship and prayer. Fellowship and prayer solves all our problems in the body of Christ. Amen. D, together, the unique fellowship of the body of Christ is related to the unique oneness of the body of Christ. One says the fellowship, the circulation of the divine life in the body brings all the members of the body into oneness. Amen. This oneness is the oneness of the spirit and also the oneness of the body of Christ. So again, be diligent to keep the oneness of the spirit in the uniting bond of peace. So we keep the spirit, we keep the peace and we keep the Fellowship of which the Spirit is the reality. And then three, how about together? Amen. Again, the unique fellowship is the unique oneness of the body of Christ. To Again, of body of Christ. Together on E. The fellowship among the churches is the fellowship of the body of Christ. Amen. So there should be a fellowship among the churches. This is not the same as blending, but blending, of course, is another way. But fellowship among the churches. We're the brothers in a certain place. We have some consideration to do something or institute some kind of practice. Many times it's very, very good to just have fellowship. With the other churches, we are considering this. We're considering that. It may be something like we're considering to buy a hall. How do you all feel? And there might be some very positive feeling about that. And there may be some feeling to pray for that, to contribute practically, financially to this matter. This is very health, healthy, and healthful practice to have fellowship. We just don't do anything independently. So uh, I will be going in two weeks' time to Glasgow, Scotland, for the First Lord's Table in the new meeting hall. Not the First Lord's Table, but it's a new meeting hall. I don't even think in the UK, I don't even think, I don't know how many meeting halls we actually own, maybe two. One in Birmingham, and now Glasgow has one, and the brothers found a disused social center And they had some feeling. And right away, what did they do? They began to fellowship with the other churches in the UK. And there was just this very good sense, get that place. Very cheap, 60,000 pounds. Very cheap, even three, four years ago. And the churches contributed. There was a, a fund for the purchase of the property. And then the local brothers in particular worked on it manually. And two weeks from now, there will be the first Lord's Table. We're expecting about 200 to come to that that opening of that new hall. Fellowship. But there was no way those brothers, that church, could have done it, made it, without the fellowship of the body of Christ. Okay. Okay. Uh, One together. Because there is one spirit, there is only one body, and there is only one circulation of life in the body. This circulation is the fellowship of the body of Christ. Okay? A local church is a part of the unique body of Christ, and the fellowship of the body is universally one. In fellowship, there is no separation. Amen? And I would just add here, you can write here, There is no local body. There is no local body. There is only one body. There is one body in this universe, and we are part of it. So a local church is a local expression of the one body of Christ. And because it's the local expression of the one body, it makes sense that there's fellowship. If in the body there's fellowship then if you're a part of the body, representing the body, then fellowship is an intrinsic principle of the church life where you are. You are not, we are not an independent church, an independent body. We are a part of the body in fellowship with all the other local churches. Okay, very important point number three. Let's read it together. No church or region should isolate itself from the fellowship of the body. Amen. This word is probably not for the people in this room because you're here. But we need to realize this is not healthy. So in the sense of never leave the church, another principle, never isolate yourself. Never isolate yourself. Stay in the fellowship. Stay in the flow. Stay in the supply. You're not feeling great today. You're not feeling well today. Sometimes the best thing you can do is go to the meeting. Just go to the meeting and be in the fellowship and flow of life, right? Yeah, amen. Four, the local churches should fellowship with all the genuine local churches on the whole earth to keep the fellowship of the body of Christ. Don't think what goes on in South Africa stays in South Africa. You are a critical, vital, necessary part of the body of Christ. What happens here, what takes place here, matters to the whole body. And I'm so thankful that I come to get here to blend, because I, come, I get to go back to the UK and fellowship with the saints about how things are in South Africa, how the saints are, and how we need to pray, and to know what the burdens are here. I don't go back to the UK and then, okay, that's switch off South Africa until a year from now. We are members one of another. And even though we are here on the underside of the world, from one perspective, surely it matters to us, it should matter to us, what is going on in Europe? What is going on in South America? What is going on in Asia? We should have a body consciousness and a body care and a body prayer. In that order, body consciousness, body care, body prayer. Pray for. A little question, who here has prayed for Brexit? Who here knows what Brexit is? Right? So the, the UK is leaving the European Union. You might say, well, that's just po- political. Well, there are churches in the UK who presently there's no problem with the traffic and flow between the other European countries and the churches in the U.K. But a month from now, 29th of March, there may be a problem. It's not so simple to travel to the U.K. anymore for blending, for fellowship. So that affects not just the churches in the U.K., that affects the whole body. So we should be praying, Lord, what are you doing? We wouldn't pray, Lord, no Brexit. We just say, Lord, you're on the throne. Lord, we pray there will be no interference, no hindrance to the flow between the churches because of this political situation or wherever else. You know, maybe we read the news. Do we ever think of what about the saints in that place? So a consciousness of the body. Okay. so the local church should fellowship with all the genuine local churches on the whole earth. Okay, five together. Wonderful point, and I would just say the way this takes place is mainly through the prayer, right? The brothers come together, brothers come together from all over the earth. The thing that we should do the most is we pray to be brought into the fellowship of the Spirit. And then um, there's no organization, there's no headquarters, there's no this or that. There's just the headship and authority of the Spirit of God For his body. Okay, let's conclude. Let's stand up and read F1 and 2. We come to the Lord's table. We come to practice the unique fellowship of the universal body of Christ. Amen. The Lord's table is a testimony that we who belong to Christ are one. As we enjoy Christ in partaking of his blood and the body at his table, We express and practice the fellowship of the body of Christ, the unique fellowship among the churches. Thank you very much. Just a lovely concluding point. How good it is to have this weekly reminder. A weekly reminder of the preciousness and the value and the glory of fellowship. There is one bread on the table. That signifies the one body of Christ. So here I am in Pretoria, Cape Town, Durban. I am breaking bread. And as I am breaking that bread, I am partaking of the fellowship of the churches in the Lord's recovery on the whole earth. So there is a body consciousness at the level of the church, And at the level of the individual, we should not break the bread. If there's a problem of fellowship between us and another saint, we should clear that up because we are partaking of this symbol that the reality of it is there's just oneness. There's just one flow, one fellowship, and the oneness of the body of Christ. So again, how good it is to have this weekly reminder. So praise the Lord for the experiencing the work of the cross for the body and living in the unique fellowship of the body of Christ. May the Lord increase more and more the traffic and the fellowship between all the saints and between all the churches. How about we take 30 seconds to pray with our neighbor and then the brothers will give us the direction.